Oh, well, we're playing that march, the famous Death Star or Imperial March theme, because it rather feels like we're on our own funeral march, Phil, that we are about to be destroyed by the <laughs> thoughts of many listeners who disagree with us. I feel like I've never felt the wrath of uh, listeners more than when we, we did this episode about Rogue One, because I seem, it seems like we're completely in the minority, man. It does seem like that, very much so. Critics are up and down the country have been giving it four and five stars. You know, one or two critics, like the New Yorker, for example, sort of also kind of agree with us. But wow, I was not expecting... Um, to be to have such a controversial point of view maybe it is because we saw it at midnight i don't know who knows laurie any last words before we get into it um well i i have to say listeners i mean we'll, we'll come on to the emails properly and thank you so much by the way i can say right up front people have put in a lot of thought and work for these emails so get ready for some seriously well thought through arguments but i think maybe what's caused mine and phil's main disappointments with it and I just want to reiterate before I say that, that I gave it a B minus. You know, we thought hard about it, but I didn't think it was terrible. B minus is okay. I do want to see it again. I reckon our, what, our downfall, Phil, was our expectations. And we talked about this before because, you know, we all bring our, our own belief about what Star Wars is into a, cinema, into a film like that, don't we? And I think for you and me, this probably represents that we feel differently about Star Wars to lots of other people. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe, I, I, I almost forgot that I gave it a C, so I had to ask you before we started recording, what actually did I give it? I slightly regret that grade now, because Do I, don't, I don't think it is a C film. I think probably you got it right, Laurie, uh, it's a B minus, so if I'm allowed to, I don't think you are going to let me, <laughs> I'm going to change my grade, it's better Listen than I said. Grumbling. It, no, it's not groveling. It's not groveling. This has nothing to do with the emails that have come in. This is entirely me realising I made a mistake. I was I was disappointed and hurt and I took it out on the film, which isn't really fair. I think it on on in reflection, it is a B minus. It's not a terrible, terrible film. It's not as good as I hoped it would be. Okay. Listening back to our criticisms, Phil, I think the key problem that we must have had was that for us, Star Wars is a bit more than that, maybe. And I don't mean sort of fanny, and it means a lot to us personally. It's that we expect something different of a Star Wars film, particularly the mood and the themes and the style. And one thing that Rogue One definitely did was use a lot of the imagery, the characters, you know, the machines. The icons. Yeah, everything. But they didn't. They deliberately avoided that mood and that tone and that style to present something different. And I think that may have been the thing that really jarred us the most. That's just my theory. I think that might be more you than me. Okay, well, do you want to quickly explain yourself or not? No, I think we should go to the listeners' thoughts because we've already had an hour talking yeah, about Rogue One. Yeah, we've done plenty. Okay, listeners, so let's hear what... Phil's absolutely right. Here are your thoughts on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I wish we could play another jingle, actually. Shall I do something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a quick few to start off with, film. Alistair got in touch at Super Betty Bros, saw Rogue One last night, and will see it again this weekend as the second best Star Wars film next to Empire, in my second view. Second best? That is a very popular opinion right now. A lot of people thinking, wow, I've never felt this strongly about a film since uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Perhaps it reflects people being disappointed in The Force Awakens. I, I cannot get on board with that. I just can't see it as that. Well, hold your horses because he carries on. At Super Betty Bros, some small niggles. He admits there are some niggles. There were great scenes in the trailers that don't appear in the final film. And Vader looked small. Yes, Vader did. Well, I mean, this naturally happens when you recast an actor. You'd think they'd be able to find a perfect sort of body double for, uh, what's his face, the West Country bodybuilder man. Oh, uh, uh, James Prowse, is he called? David Richard Prowse. Prowse. David, I think it is. Yeah, the Michael guy. Prowse. Where, Benedict Prowse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever his name is. But um, unfortunately, they seem to have gone for, I think, maybe a, a, a stuntman or maybe the, maybe just people a bit broader these days because I thought he was a bit wider. That Something was my about feeling. the neck was a bit odd, wasn't it? Mm. A lot of people have commented on that. And he finishes off the final tweet 
Street at Super Baby Bros, saw Rogue One again at the weekend and was even better the second time. So going to see it this week for a third, as I love it. Wow, okay. Well, yeah, it's unambiguous right there, Alistair. Thank you. And you're certainly confirming to me that I must see it again. I think we need to, don't we, man? Why don't you take notes on Phil? Normally I do the emails, but why don't you jump in? Okay, I will do. I'll give you a bit of a break. Here's one from Patrick. Greetings, Super Baby Bros, and Merry Christmas. Thought I would share my opinions on Rogue One. I thoroughly enjoyed it, despite some misgivings. I thought it looked great. Loved the balance between the more modern CGI and the older set and costume design. CGI Peter Cushing looked great, and in my opinion, only a couple of times did it head into the uncanny valley. Really? But I still think it's a bit of a morally dubious thing. Oh, a lot of people have been talking about this, actually. What does this mean? Because I, you know, some people have been asking, are... Peter Cushing's estate and Carrie Fisher's estate picking up cash for this because technically it's a perform- an appearance by them in a movie. I, I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable and I feel like actually there's a, a, a neater, smarter way to do it. Yeah. Well, we discussed that a bit, didn't we? And some people are saying, whoa, is this the dawn of a new era in which it's basically Simona? Do you remember that film? Oh, yeah. Where yeah, yeah, Al Pacino, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, no, she's virtual, isn't she? And she becomes like an amazing actress because she they can becomes the most anyway. loved person ever. Yeah, like. it's really, it's a funny film, actually. Um, I don't think this is anywhere near that. You know, I don't think you need to worry about that anytime soon. Patrick continues. The acting was very good. I thought Felicity Jones was a good choice for the role. Top marks go to Donnie Yen as Chirrut Mwe. Mwe, or Mwe, yeah, maybe. Mm. And especially Alan Tudyk as K2SO, the robot, the Imperial robot transformed into a rebel agent. I know it seems a bit odd for a droid to be so dry and tactless. Who would really program them that way? But then again, who would program R2 to be so cheeky and free-thinking and C-3PO to be so uptight? I think they have to be over-exaggerated in order to give them a defined character as a non-human without a face to read the emotions off. Well, that is very um, sort of comprehensive there, Patrick. Good thoughts on K2SO. And again, I wonder whether this is a mixture of our expectations, the fact that it was a midnight showing, whatever else. I think my main problem with K2SO was not his characterization necessarily, or Alan Tudyk's performance, who I think is brilliant. Love him as Watt in uh, Knight's Tale, for example. I just thought the jokes weren't that funny. That was the major problem I had, and I can't, I can't force myself to laugh at them. I, and what's funny is that he made a joke in the trailer that was much funnier. The captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. It's not exactly a Jack D's new material, but <laughs> it, it, I think it's quite good. I love the fact that you went with Jack D. It was the first <laughs> name that came to my head, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, K2SO, for me, was one of the weakest parts of the film. I can't get on board with him. He doesn't make sense in the world. Why would they program a robot so that he would then be making sarcastic quips? Well, he does say, because they've had to reprogram him, this is the sort of film's excuse, that he tends to say whatever pops into his head. But I think it's just a stretch to think, well, why would those things pop into the robot's head? And actually, I've got a trump card to throw in here, which is that if you want to see the sort of approach the filmmakers have to this, the droid describes himself as a model designed for tactics and strategy. And yet, I don't believe he does a single bit of that. He does a lot of flying the plane, he does a lot of shooting people down, and he does a lot of sarcasm. No tactics. He's also a rubbish pilot. He crashes the ship. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Anyway, sorry, carry on with what Patrick Anyway, says. I'll finish off what Patrick finishes with. So I thought the final act of the film was the strongest, which seems like a rarity these days. I loved Michael Giacchino's... Oh, why are there always names? I hate names. Michael Giacchino's music. He loved it. Any thoughts there, Laurie? You were not a fan of that, were you? Yeah, I mean, I just thought... 
it was ripping off John Williams. The guy had four weeks to do it. Alexandre Desplat either got canned or he couldn't continue with the score. So he had a very short time. And I guess they just thought, well, we don't have the time, just copy. But mm. the thing was, and we've already explained it, John Williams' approach really fit the campy space opera theme from the original Star Wars films. Everyone is full of how different this movie is. It required a different score. The trailers basically got it right, didn't they? I like the music in the trailers. I well, thought, oh, this looks it exciting. Fit, it fits the, the design of the movie. So I, I just thought it was, it was a misjudgment and it felt like a, a nostalgia trip, really. Mm. He does have some negatives, so I'll quickly read those out and then we'll wrap it up. The execution of the idea was a bit off. Some characters do seem to join the team for no clear reason and Darth Vader didn't look quite right. Yeah, very popular point. But overall, he loved it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Patrick. He says, keep up the good work. Thanks, Patrick. I'm, thank- I'm glad you can still call it good work and we haven't changed your mind. I just want to add in, uh, sorry, Patrick, I th- feel I should say on the score, I do agree with you that it's nice to hear a fun score and that definitely was a fun score. It was full with way over the top arch melodic stuff and I completely agree with you. I would like to see more of that style of music in cinema generally, but you have to, the direction has just got to match it. Otherwise, it, something feels wrong. Mm. Okay, I'll take the next one. And this is from The Other Martin. Thanks for getting in touch. Worrying headline to this email, Phil. Too harsh, bros! Exclamation mark. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh-oh, too, too harsh, bros. Rogue One is way better than that. Capitals, extended A's there, everything. <laughs> Perhaps going to a midnight screening full of tired superfans was a bad idea. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> yes, I agree, I think Martin. probably, yeah, that is a good... Yeah. Well, we learned our lesson. I think n- neither Phil or I did that... Uh, particularly because we wanted to. We thought, if anything, we thought it would help um, our experience of Rogue One because we figured that if any screening was going to be full of really enthusiastic people, that was the one. But it wasn't, actually. No. We, we were in a slightly smaller screening than the main screening, that's fair to it be said. It didn't feel that way, though. It didn't feel like that. It was still pretty full. Um, but there wasn't really any of the sort of things which I was kind of anticipating about a midnight screening. I've The only time I've ever really been to a midnight screening was Harry Potter, the final one. And that that was annoying. People were clapping and cheering and all sorts. But I was then just that's like, kind of what I wanted. I thought, let's do that. Let's have the Star Wars thing. But we there. didn't get that, so no, there you no, go. We didn't. Anyway, you were right about it being the most expensive fan-made film, but it works for that. It's a great war film, gritty, brutal and immersive. And exploring the complexities of, in quotes, one man's freedom fighter is another's terrorist isn't pandering to the current global political situation. It's a tale as old as time. And he says, brackets, I know. I mean, he's, that's a Beauty and the Beast quote there. Okay. We should have sung it for you, really. Tale as old as time. time. Um, I... No, okay. I oh, know. I'm moving on. I wouldn't say it is immersive. I, don't, I think that's the only bit which I disagree with strongly. I constantly found myself being pulled out because of these little nostalgia trips. Well, and things like CGI Moff Tarkin, which was just, you know, as excellently as it was done, I just can't handle it because my brain is just going, well, that's a CGI version of that guy. And I, I didn't realise it actually until after i come out of the film. But the dialogue in those scenes, I barely was able can't to pay attention. Can't can you? Because you just... I'm so distracted by what's happening on the screen. That and I you're watching oh, his oh. cheeks twitch in sort of bizarre ways. And you think, ooh, what's well, exactly. going on there? And I think, just imagine Saving Private Ryan. Now, that is an immersive war film. Band of Brothers, totally immersive. If they just shoehorned in something really awkward from like another famous war piece or something, you know, like the Dam Busters. Uh, and and they they heard, you know, the theme song, for example, playing out of a cafeteria and said, oh, that, that sounds like an interesting tune. Or they put in like footage of the, the Dan Busters. Oh, the, oh in, yeah, exactly. It just wouldn't, it just jars with you. You're, you're not, you're not an idiot. So why would they think you are? And this is why I say it's kind of the expectation thing. But anyway, let's, let's keep going with what Martin says. He has lots more to say. I do agree with many of your criticisms. Yes, the CGI human characters are ropey and distracting. There you go. Worst bit of dialogue for me 
We need a name for the mission. Uh, quick, think of something. Uh, uh, Rogue uh, One. I didn't mind that, actually. Weirdly, I was really a big fan of Riz Ahmed in that role. I thought he was one of the better voices in the film. It's sort of the... It's one of the... I completely agree with you, Martin. That is bad dialogue. You slightly forgive it because they put the name of the movie in there and you kind of think, oh, well, they had to explain it somehow. I, but yeah, it was really clunky. A lot of people have said that bad dialogue is just part of Star Wars when you look back at the prequels especially and even the original trilogy to a certain extent. But I, I have to say, I sort of give that a free pass because... The original Star Wars films were just silly, and they knew they were silly. They're based on, like, science fiction serials, like Flash Gordon, which yeah. are a bit silly. And, and camp, camp as well. Yeah. But whereas this film, as people are saying, it's gritty, it's a war movie, you can't really get away with badly written speeches. If you're going to do that film, you've got to do it right. But anyway, yeah, I'm glad you agree with me, Martin, on that one. Uh, but I loved how they used slash recreated the prop sets, vehicles, infrastructure, all from New Hope. It totally placed it in that time. I agree, production design, I think, and the look of the film is one of the best bits of the you film. You said that, in fact, didn't you? Yeah, okay. And he says, also, the droid is funny, capital is. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah. nope. He <laughs> says he laughed out loud at his first line, congratulations, you are being rescued. That was one of Do the best lines. Resist. That was one of the best lines in the In fact, you wanted film. us to use that clip, didn't you? But we went with the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a shame, we agree with you on that line, Martin. That was pretty good. And it was also quite, it was a nice intro to that character, the droid, because it's a bit mysterious. That was a bit more like the sort of tone that I thought could have worked. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And, and he says, and at most of his other lines, I cracked up as well. I seem to remember you're both apologists for Jar Jar Binks in the prequel films. Now, hold on. I don't think I've ever <laughs> been an apologist for Jar Jar Binks. I think we have said in the past that episode one, is The Phantom Menace, isn't as bad I enjoy watching it certainly it's got some charm but I don't think we'd ever say that they're good films no and I certainly wouldn't say that Jar Jar Binks was a good character I do think and I think if you're referring to stuff we said ages ago on Star Wars I do think there's a Lucas factor I said it then and I'll say it again I I do think George Lucas for his many flaws as a writer of dialogue and director there is something he knows how to do when it comes to building a world. So that I didn't mind the Gungan world. I didn't like Jar Jar Binks, but I didn't mind the Gungans. Like that underwater city. It, it had some charm, didn't it? Evo yeah. Evocative. Yeah, it felt sort of magical and amazing. And I did believe that there could be these sort of farmer-like, uh, slightly less civilized race next to Naboo. But I didn't really want Jar Jar Binks. That's, yeah, anyway. Sorry we disagree with you on the funniness of K2SO. I, you know, humour is one of those things that just hits people in different ways, doesn't it? I have thought about whether or not it makes a difference if, if you're going to the cinema, having people around you, much like in a comedy show, it's so much easier to laugh when other people are laughing. That's true, and our cinema didn't laugh. And you definitely didn't laugh, and I wasn't laughing. So that maybe would, maybe we yeah. killed it for each other, I don't know. We need some of that canned laughter would have done the trick, wouldn't it? <laughs> Anyway, he says, your judgment of Rogue One is way over the top. And he says that especially with reference to us being Jar Jar Binks apologists. I hope we slightly burst that bubble. <laughs> uh, Rogue One is in a different league to all the prequels. I think I'd agree with that. It's certainly different. It's trying to play in the big leagues and so you have to judge it by the big leagues. That's, yeah. that's the sort of thing. It's funny. Oddly, I just think the prequels are a bit more successful at being Star Wars, but they're not good films. Yeah. Uh, and he says it's right up there with Force Awakens. I do have to disagree there, Martin. I like Force Awakens a lot more. I think it's in the conversation. In yeah. the conversation. Nice yeah. bit of marketing speak there, Phil. Good job. Think you need another viewing? No disagreement there. I will do that. Great show. The other Martin. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Martin. All right, Phil, your turn. We're going through these at a rate of about an hour in email, so I do apologise. Oh, and I've just seen, I've got the emails in front of me. We've had another one come <laughs> in as we're recording. Talking. Yeah, that's All great. All right, okay, go for it, Phil. Next one from Ben, I think, isn't it? Yep, here it is. Hey, boys, long time no see. I'm sorry. It's another long one. Short version. R-O- Five six four seven you know three two one. 
Come on, decode that for us. Rogue One, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, The Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. Can't agree with Phantom Menace being at the bottom there. Certainly not below Revenge of the Sith. Agree to disagree on that. I don't think I agree with a single place on that. (laughs) But Ben, we're so glad you emailed. Here it is. Here's the breakdown. Rogue One was pretty much the perfect Star Wars movie. Mm. Is that a deliberate cough? No. Okay. I'm just... (laughs) From the archive material of Red and Gold Leader, pre-recorded audio tapes of Peter Cushing, the nods to the original made it everything that Episode 7 should have been. Mm. Character development. Orson Krennic was a brilliant non-Sith villain, and I especially love the power plays between Tarkin and Krennic, which continues from the prequel Catalyst. I'm ecstatic that Peter Cushing got a look in. They could have left it at the reflection, but they went for it. I've seen some articles which question the ethics behind it, but I think I read somewhere that his estate received a sizable donation for the rights to his face. Well, <laughs> Laurie, will you sell me odd contract? Will you sell me the rights to your face? Doesn't uh, don't Chelsea own Jose Mourinho's name? I think they do. Yeah, legally they do. So there's all kinds of funny things going on, mental. but that answers one of the questions we asked earlier. Thanks, Ben. I love the fact that they got a full body shot of the character in also, as previously you never see Tarkin's legs because Cushing used to wear bedroom slippers on set because he didn't like the leather riding boots. (laughs) Fantastic, I love that. I did not know that. That's a great little bit of trivia. Thank you very much. He moves on to Jin. Uh, So Felicity Jones' character grew on me quite quickly. I've read a few articles which they've slated as her being boring, suddenly caring about a cause. That's sort of what we said, wasn't it? Yeah, I think think they overlooked the umbrella story. She only starts caring once her father tells her of the plan and Shooty McSpanier doesn't believe her. <laughs> I don't think we could agree with that naming, but... It I quite like that. That's a good, good name. <laughs> if, KT, if K2SO had said that, we would have been cracking up. Mm. It becomes a journey not just to destroy the Death Star, but to justify her father. Can we jump in on that one? I think that's an interesting one. Thank you for defending Jin So I would like to like her a lot more than I do. In this case, perhaps the problem is that we don't get to spend enough time with any individual protagonist at all. So apart from Jin breaking down in tears when she sees her dad and the message, you don't really see much of an emotional journey for her. So although I can believe you that that's what they want you to think about Jin, I don't think that we actually got to see that happen. Yeah, she's underwritten in my opinion. That's that, what it that is. was the main problem. And maybe if they'd been able to flesh her out, it could have worked better. Certainly, it seems as though some of those trailer scenes that got cut might have done that. Mm. Vader. Well, that was just 48 seconds of awesome. I agree. I'm not sure that Phil does. I'm looking forward to a spin-off. One of the best argument-ending slap of a comment I've ever seen. You know the one I mean. Oh, yeah. Now, I think you and I both reacted badly to this, and we didn't mention this in the spoiler review. That is, be careful not to choke on your ambitions after he's just strangled the guy. I've heard somebody talk about that, and they compared it to the other lines that Darth Vader says. I find your lack of faith disturbing, yeah. He loves the little... He actually does it, doesn't he? I think the problem with it was actually uh, potentially the way it was filmed. Because the way that uh, Vader makes those comments in other films is as part of the dialogue. Uh, So he says, I find a lack of faith disturbing as he's strangling the guy looking at him. And that's quite threatening, actually. As sort of clever as it is, it's threatening. Whereas this one, it really was like an Austin Powers moment. He throws the guy to the floor, starts walking away, then turns around and you get another shot. And it's like, be careful not to choke on your ambitions. As if he just thought of it while he's taking the steps. Yeah, so I don't actually think the line was bad. I think the direction was poor. Yeah, and I think as well, you can't help help the fact that James Earl Jones is old now, so it doesn't sound quite as good or cool. I slightly disagree with you on that one. I thought that line was read well, uh, but yeah, carry on. Anyway, K2SO, if Sheldon Cooper was a droid, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> right. And one of the most endearing characters. I Maybe this is the the heart of the issue for me. And why I'm disagreeing with pretty much every single email that's come in. Because everyone seems to love this droid and I thought he was rubbish. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid I have to slightly agree with Phil there, Ben. I'm sorry. I, if it was, if the droid had actually been written like Sheldon Cooper, that would have worked better because Sheldon, his sarcasm comes from a That's place nearly as bad as your recommendation that Jin Erso should sound like Daphne from Frasier. I still you think are that would wrong. Have if she had had some kind of estuary vowel or northern Ugh. twang, I trust I'm me. I'm going to move on. I don't want to give you. <laughs> and I don't want to give you air time. I just think because the, I'm saying that Sheldon Cooper is sort of the, his sarcasm and his quips come from a place of naivety, don't they? In a way, and like complete misunderstanding, yeah, of humanity. Whereas that's not the vibe you get with K2SO. In fact, he seems to understand people better than they understand themselves. That's the kind of style of humanity he has so it just didn't fit with the droid in, in our view anyway let yeah, carry on shooting McSpaniard good character otherwise but a t- known as Cassian Andor <laughs> yeah. I guess be cut for the guy good character but a typical chip on the shoulder toting rebel glad mm. he was vilified towards the end as he was on the whole kind of unpleasant was he vilified I, I think he, he was, was kind of redeemed exonerated yeah. yeah he's sort of he's the guy who recruits those tough rebels that made me laugh that scene actually when all these tough guys are like yeah this girl knows what she's doing we're gonna go yeah A-team assemble <laughs> whatever it was <laughs> I did find it weird how uh, they were kind of in love at the end Jin and him do you know what this is something else we didn't say in a spoiler review can I say something else Phil am I allowed you're to? saying plenty man <laughs> forgive me I, I hope people are enjoying this this is gonna end up being a separate episode isn't it <laughs> well I think it should have well that's a bit meta because if it has already then anyway look uh, I wanted them to kiss is that pathetic I think you're not the only one. I really thought there was an odd thing there. When they're riding up in the lift and they look into each other's eyes and they're thinking, hang on, we might not escape with our lives. Hang on, we're both on the same side. Hang on, we totally understand each other. Hang on, here comes a giant tidal wave of blowing upness. Yeah, why are they not? Like, I mean, literally, it's the last moments of their life. I mean, I don't get it. I, mean, I, d- I thought that would just been a nice moment, but I th- kind of think we're just anti-kissing in cinema these days, aren't we? Films literally get praised. But they're not being romance, which I just think, I personally, I think that's silly. I think romance just needs to be written better. You just need to cut it out of film. I think the thing is, is often, uh, I think that's the feminist test, you know, the... The bestel. Yeah, which is all about, is, is there a character who doesn't care about romance, as in women are just around for men to be romantic It has with. to be three women, doesn't it? Is that yeah. why they just put two X-Wing pilots in who get blown up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, is I actually think that devalues women because women care about relationships they're not they're not so do men of, I mean this is exactly, the thing it's, it's, real people do that's, it's a that's mutual what I mean. thing it's it, a mutual thing that of course would have there needs shown to be love. a kind of humanity and a kind of passion that was kind of absent from the film and you know what if you if uh, if it really was a bestel thing I don't understand why they didn't make uh, one of the Donnie Yen and uh, Jiang Wen uh, duo they could have made one of them a cool woman as well I mean you know if it literally is a bestel we must make sure we keep the right numbers here then why why weren't you know why were all the other rebel team men why did they do that it is confusing why why was it basically Jin Erso and that's it she's she is the only yeah anyway maybe there's only space for her they didn't want to take away from her being the female lead yeah anyway let move along move along say sorry listeners i hope you're enjoying this (laughs) chinese force guys there we go great delivery and contributed a lot to the action sequences but the repeated chanting was a bit out there that's true it was almost too far towards the spiritual force side of things i know laurie is a fan of I'm not sure what you mean there, Ben, about the spiritual force side of things. I can't remember saying anything on that line. I think you maybe are talking about the idea of the force being mystical and uncertain and Magical. kind of wonderful rather than something which is concrete like the prequels did. I mean, literally, the force in A New Hope, the last few lines are, let go, Luke, use the force. That's kind of a, that's a classic movie trope, especially for that kind of film, where it doesn't need explanation. It's just sort of a, 
believe in something larger than yourself. I actually think there was too much mentioning of the Force. Everyone seems to be a fan of the Force. The impression in Star Wars A New Hope is basically the Force is kind of a joke. People think it's rubbish, don't they? Yeah. Everyone laughs at Vader. And Han Solo's like, what, 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 you believe in the Force? Come on. Even though there's a, literally a Jedi sat like in a his spaceship yeah. with a lightsaber who's teaching Luke how to dodge laser bolts. The other side of that as well is that people are, people are using all kinds of technical terms on the internet to explain this, but I never quite understood how Donnie Yen's guy was able to do what he does he's a force without being a Jedi as in he's got a little bit of force in him but he literally dodges lasers I mean only Neo can do that Phil or maybe the force protects him well that okay anyway yeah anyway, so anyway maybe anyway. you're right there Ben maybe you're right the rebellion a couple of leaders were absolutely nuts by which I mean incredibly defeatist lay down and take it types Brilliantly played intelligence commanders and the Admiral Notbar were both <laughs> tremendous. I like that. I'm liking the names. The names are good, Ben. As yeah, so incidentally, listeners, if you're not sure, Admiral Akbar it's a trap! is the guy that everyone thought that weird CGI frog. He's General Radish or something like he's that. Isn't some, he? Yeah, he's just he's ad, exactly he's Admiral Notbar. <laughs> That's a good name. That's a Mimi name. Love the reintroduction of the Force theme when Bail Organa comes on screen. I don't recall that. Although you know what, another thing we didn't say, Jimmy Smith. I was so pleased to see that guy, and this this really characterises how Phil and I felt when we were watching it that first time. Is that when I saw the Bail Organa turn up from the prequels, everything felt okay to me again. I was like, oh, that's I. That is the kind of cameo that actually works because it's using the extension of the world to link things up without being really blunt and direct. There's a specific reason why he should be there. So it was really cool to see him. And it kind of answers that thing. Where's he in the New Hope and all that sort of stuff? He's in Alderaan getting blown up. Exactly, yeah. Okay, a couple last things and then that's it from Ben. Graphics. The opening Death Star sequence where you see the Star Destroyer come out the shadow, it had the perfect white plastic feel of the old model Star Destroyers from the originals. Well, am I right that actually they did use some practical effects for the spaceships? I think the Star Destroyers were, weren't they? It wouldn't surprise me. Those in particular, they work well as models. They don't need any moving parts, so why, why would you need CGI for that? That's a good example, Ben, of a lot of the strongest things in this film. Despite everyone going on about how different it is and the tone being different, a lot of the best stuff is just taken from the originals. Here you go. Music. Laurie, you're going to have something to say on this, I'm sure. Okay. It wasn't John Williams, but I think Giacchini did a stellar job. How do I say that name? I don't know, Phil. Giacchino? Giacchino. <laughs> the music guy did a stellar job. The new Imperial theme is powerful and sinister to reflect what the Empire is all about. Could we play a little bit of the music from one of the trailers? I'm not sure you can do that, actually, Phil. Really? Oh, that's I, a shame. I would be nervous about doing it. I don't know. Listeners might not notice, but I always avoid uh, even trailers that use like a famous pop song. I tend to cut that stuff out because I don't want some digital thing to pick us up for copyright. Uh, okay. Well, listeners, listen to the trailers and listen to the music in particular. That is so much more on the money for me but than is that anything what Ben's in the talking film. about or not? No, he's saying he loved it. Well, because this is the thing, Ben. I honestly can't remember a single theme from the film so i must have missed it but i will check it back out and let you know have a great christmas guys ben and thanks you ben. too thank you so much ben okay moving on elliot has got in touch hey elliot he says hey super belly bros rogue one fun but dumb question mark i love that this seems promising it does finally one going <laughs> our way <laughs> i've always been a big fan of the star wars films having been introduced to them by the super belly bros and so I was pretty excited to see how the latest installment would turn out. Overall, I'd have to say the film was good fun with some fantastic visuals and strong action pieces. Unfortunately, some of the characters' motivation and the evolution of the plot lets it down a bit. But what really disappointed me with this film was the endless parade of unnecessary cameos and blatant winks at the audience. We yes, 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 yes. I love looking for Easter eggs in film. That's the key word looking for easter eggs in film but this was pandering to an audience in such a way i was taken out of the film on many occasions 
Yeah, I think that's my main gripe with it. If they had just name dropped some of the like the X-wing pilots and said, "Oh, Gold Leader," or you heard it on a voice, just the voice, not the image, it'd have been so much better because it'd be like a little subtle thing where if you catch it, great. But it's right there in your face, and I do unavoidable. have to say, I think this is one of the major things that I was, you know, very ineloquently trying to say at the beginning, which is that a lot of how you inter- you deal with this film, it seems to me, depends on what you bring to it, and. I I think maybe there are some listeners who don't realise quite how many Easter eggy things there are, quite how many stolen things. I mean, literally, the way that some things are shot, literally, the lines that get spoken that you might not even realise, they they are there are so many things that are just from the original trilogy that all it does it was li- flicking switches in my head all the time, making me think, oh, that's from there, that's from there, that's from there, that's from there. So you're saying almost if you're if you are a really big fan of Star Wars, which we are both, yeah it's almost harder to enjoy Or if you know the films really well in a sort of visual style and you literally can remember quotes from it, that's the kind of thing that's going to drive you a bit nuts. And and I think, you know, I'm almost tempted to put on Twitter uh, links to people who've counted out every Easter egg there are. And I think you'll be, if you if you enjoyed it and recognised a few references, I think you'll be dazzled by quite how many there actually are. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, I didn't mind the fact, this is Elliot carrying on, that they tried to show the rebellion in a new light, making it a darker, more complex group. And I disagree, having these characters or teams with flexible morals is something new or different from the originals, thinking in particular of Luke's darker moments in Return of the Jedi. Mm, interesting. I know a lot of people support this, uh, and I hear what you're saying, Elliot. We talked about Luke already, haven't we? Yeah, we have done, yeah, yeah. I agree with you completely. The difference is you get to see Luke get to that point after three films. You're invested in him as a yeah. character, so the complexity just makes him more of a rich character. It evolves on screen rather than you sort of having to just accept it. Uh, he goes on, the Darth Vader scene at the end of the film was fantastic. I agree. Thumbs um, up. Yep, agree. Yeah, it was, my, in my opinion, a great way to reestablish him as a villain to be feared. Although it does make it difficult to explain why he appears quite so laboured in A New Hope, as in that lightsaber fight, the famous one. Ah, interesting. Well, I you kind know, they of always move like they're 100 years old. Yeah, I think I, it doesn't really bother me. For some, whatever reason, that fight, I kind of make fun of it. Uh, we I have done when we were kids. I used to make fun. We do impressions of oh, yeah, there's a little move that he waddling does. around. <laughs> but it kind of just works because it's not really about us fighting. It's about them talking, really. Well, and I agree with you, Elliot, because it's a bit like, well, why doesn't he just whip out his lightsaber rather than allow all his stormtroopers to get shot in the very next scene at the start of A New Hope? But I don't think they care that much because it was a moment that everyone thought was really cool. Uh, other highlights me for me, he goes on, were the taking down of the two Star Destroyers and the AT-AT emerging from smoke during the war on Scarif. Yeah, I, I, again, I like those little sort of visual things, some good special effects there. I was a bit surprised about the whole massively defensive planet shield thing. Why was that not on Endor? I thought they did do that, didn't they? Did they not have... Well, I don't remember them. They didn't really. They didn't need to shoot through it, did they? I think that's why they had to have a ground team. This is getting quite nerdy. They had to have an access code, so they dropped the shield to allow them on the moon. Then they could blow it up. That's true. Otherwise, they would have just shot it to pieces from space, right? Yeah, that's true, actually. Maybe, maybe... Oh, okay, our stand answered. How about hmm. that? Uh, I agree with you, Elliot, and I thought the two Star Destroyer thing was good, and it was a nice way... Uh, that was a good callback to the Empire Strikes Back. Do you remember the asteroid chase when the Star Destroyers nearly hit each other and they hit evasive action and they have to, there's the big Star Destroyer. And it kind of grinds and against yeah, each other. Yeah, it gets very close. So that actually, I liked what they did there. That was, that was a good little nostalgic thing because they just took that scene and said, well, what if it ended differently? Here's what it would look like. Then Grand Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing and Princess Leia Carrie Fisher would have both been better served with smaller roles. We totally agree. 100% agree. Such as Tarkin only being seen in a reflection. That would have been nice. And Leia only seen from behind. I mean, that hair tells a story. 100% agree. 
By giving Tarkin so much screen time, I felt distracted just looking for the faults in a sketchy CGI, and the role could even have been replaced entirely by using more of Vader, which is what I said. Yeah, I think it would have worked brilliantly. In fact, it would have made Vader more interesting, more, more threatening. Why not? I totally agree. I mean, that was kind of his job throughout the whole of um, <laughs> uh, episode four, wasn't it? Was to find the stolen plans and squash it. So, I mean, I, but the thing is, I quite liked Ben Mendelsohn. I just thought that he got dealt quite a poor hand because Tarkin got all the steely-eyed stuff. He was undermined at every occasion. He was like a, a Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah, he was a bit. And maybe they needed to do that so that he could legitimately get blown up by his own team. Yeah. Okay, looking forward to hearing from you two with your Christmas segment. Well, hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Elliot. Really appreciate your Thank thoughts. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, Phil, you're going to take one from Stephen. Stephen says, Hey, bros, this might be too late for your podcast today, but nope. a few thoughts. It's not. It's come in just in the right time. Thank no, you, Stephen. nicely done. My main thought in the film was that Disney's fingerprints were more obvious here than in Force Awakens. I'd agree. Yeah, me too. Particularly with the humour, mainly thinking of K2SO. Yes, 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 yes. Keep going, keep going. You talked about that in your review. I actually thought he was kind of funny. Oh, no. Not laugh out loud funny, but it did make me smile a few times. I think that if we watched it again with less expectation, we'd probably feel the same way. Not guffawing out loud, but, you know, a wry smile here and there. On that same point, I wonder whether the Disney feel to the movie slightly interrupted the Star Wars feel, in that I didn't quite feel absorbed in the Star Wars universe as I would have hoped, because I could feel the Disney fingerprints on it. Does that make any sense? Well, I'm, I'm curious to know exactly what you're thinking of the Disney fingerprints there, Stephen. Certainly, I was very aware of little sort of, well, Disney's attempt to do their extended universe thing. We're, we're in full force here with their casting of Saw Gerrera, uh, some of the in-jokes, some of the callbacks and references. That's classic Disney. They want to sort of engross you in this world to such an extent that you're falling in love with it at every turn. But I, I can't think of anything that really struck me as, I mean, it is a bit sort of Marvel blueprint, isn't it? It's following that same idea of connecting up the dots, making references all the time. And that's kind of how the Marvel films are arranged, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe that is what it is. Stephen, if you if you have time, then uh, we'd love to hear more detail on that. But you, I'm sure you're right. There were things that kept interrupting the tone and it wouldn't surprise me if Disney was a big part of that. Anyway, Stephen continues, I definitely don't get why so many people think it's on a par with the originals. But I also don't think it's as bad as you thought it was. I can live with that, yep. No, no that's a fair point, Stephen. Mate, this, is, this is harsh medicine to take, man, isn't it? It's good this is what we always say we want. I'm, I'm personally enjoying it because I haven't had to adapt my grade. <laughs> I haven't adapted because of what people have said. Right, I, yeah. I, I realised basically I was a bit too emotional mm. in my review. Mm. But I think my points were valid, as, as lots of people have confirmed in email. So there you go. I'd have liked to see a little bit more of Darth Vader personally. Stephen continues. I think we'd both agree that might have been a good shout. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think certainly... Less of Tarkin, Darth Vader to replace him would have been fine. But I think as we discussed, Phil, and I think your point about Max Landis saying, how do you defeat a vampire? Actually, any way you want. It's a film. Make it up. I, the more I've thought about Rogue One, the more that maxim is completely true. And they could have done whatever they wanted, actually. And I would have liked them to be more adventurous. It was a lot of the things that tied it down to needing to fit within this small box they've created for themselves were the things that held it back. It requires them to put in references whenever they can. It required them to kill off their entire cast at the end. It required them to do a lot. And I sort of wish they'd been a bit bolder. So I'm not sure that Darth Vader would have improved it. It would have been interesting. But why not just create someone completely new? Just do that. I mean, Mm. Krennic was that guy. They just made him subservient to Vader and Tarkin. 
Mm, interesting, interesting. Anyway, he has a PS on here. My wife and I were discussing after the film what other Star Wars stories we'd like to see. Yeah, okay. What are your thoughts on the following? A Yoda origin story? Yes, I, I know that he's actually written a yoga origin story. I would love to see a documentary on the emergence of yoga. That would You've be just been having the email fantastic. in front of you the whole time. Of course I have. I have to what? decipher it from your garbled <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a joke. That's, I promise that's a joke. Ugh, I'm just I'm know, never doing, reading again. Just doing my homework. No, you're, doing a very, you're doing a great job, man. It's true. You, you can take some emails back in future episodes. Well. Uh, no, I've actually seen some people say exactly the same thing, Stephen. A lot of people are saying Yoda's backstory would be amazing because the guy, how long has he lived for? When 900 years old, you reach. So he's got a good 900 years of stories behind him. I'm not sure he'd work. I think he would. I'd love to see a young Yoda. I'd love to see him, you know, with a 70s moustache and chest hair and flares. <laughs> I think be great. I think the more you know about him, the less good he is. He's a bit like Dumbledore. Actually, the more backstory you give him, the less he serves the film's purposes. Totally disagree. I'd love to see Yoda, you know, back in his reckless heyday before he discovered the calming influence of the force jetting around on land speeders you know with a girl um, mm, anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway 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 uh, next story crazy. suggestion is general jedi backstory i think that's fine just do some more stuff about the history of jedi i'd be on board with that they sort of tried to do that with the prequels i think this is a good example of how i think disney would really struggle with that because they they will feel handcuffed by the prequels and the original stuff so that whatever they create you know before the prequels has to be funneled directly into the start of a phantom menace so i think the only problem with that is they wouldn't feel free enough to do it justice mm. uh he does sort of specify one jedi in particular that might be a good shout okay. obi-wan kenobi between episodes three and four now i've thought about this and actually i don't think there is actually that much wiggle room really for obi-wan kenobi just him he's... finding his cloak and dealing with sand people yeah? well i don't know because basically he's in hiding isn't he, he doesn't want to have anybody notice him he's just keeping an eye on luke as he grows up so maybe you can have Obi-Wan Kenobi doing some babysitting or something like that. But I don't you know, know. He's such a good Jedi. What I mean, Stephen, if this is what you're thinking, I would love to see the undercover Jason Bourne-like <laughs> adventures of Obi-Wan Kenobi as he manages to save people in secret. Who is that? Who Who is it who just uh, gave me the money I needed to repay my loan? It's like Jedi <laughs> man. You mean? Exactly, yeah. And he could do it. It could be like undercover boss or something, except the you never get the reveal. The Jedi that I think actually would make a really good little uh, movie character lead is actually Qui-Gon Jinn. I think he always gave the impression in The Phantom Menace of being slightly uh, at odds with the Jedi, the rest of the Jedi. He seemed to have his own opinions. He seemed to kind of be a little bit of a loose cannon. And I think maybe that would have been quite a nice seeing him kind of establish himself as a master. Yeah, good, cool. And he's very unloved. So maybe that that's uh, he deserves it. And then the final one, Jesse, you've got it here. Sorry, you read it, Phil. Yes, I'm reading it, Laurie. <laughs> uh, more Darth Vader between episodes three and four. Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader I mean, is, essentially, that's Rogue One, isn't it? I think they will do that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have said they'd like to see it. I don't doubt that is a huge trump card in Disney's arsenal. When the time is right, you'll get a big Darth Vader adventure. Even with James L. Jones being a little bit different than he was in the original films? The thing is... At some point down the line, they're just going to replace the voice actor and stick with it, and no one will care. Do you think as long as it's just right right up front, this, this is a different is, this actor? This is the thing. What's funny about doing the CGI Tarkin and doing Darth Vader the way they did it is that all anyone can say is, whoa, they got so close to what they were like. And actually, that's not really good enough. It's like um, Jerry Seinfeld's joke about silver medalists. Well done, you were the first in all the losers, right? <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, all, that's the highest goal they can aim for if they do that whereas if they just cast someone else it then changes people, the, there's, the there's discussion. the shock immediately like oh he's not the guy then you get over it and it's they, a bit like Mon Mothma wasn't it well exactly it they had perfectly. to recast her yeah so I don't I don't understand why they were so committed to it unless they wanted everyone to gasp and say wow so 
yeah, I don't think James Earl Jones's voice or, you know, untimely demise. Let's hope he stays with us for a long time. Um, I don't think that would be a problem, though. Anyway, that is all from Stephen. Stephen, great email. Thank you very much. Lots to chew on there. Thank you. Okay, listeners, almost to the end here. I hope you're enjoying this. Johnny Valentine has got in touch. As someone who hasn't really watched Star Wars and sci-fi generally, I find hard to get on board with, I did enjoy this film. I liked the story, the main characters, including the robot. I thought it was funny. The action was cool, especially the beach stuff. I liked the blind guy with his Rafiki-like skills with a stick. <laughs> That's the Lion King, isn't it? Yeah. Santisan. It's, okay, yeah. it's quite similar, actually. I'm one with the force, the forces with me, or whatever it was. And the guy who had the best gun ever. That's Jiang Wen, isn't it? Why doesn't everyone have one of those? It was a good gun, actually, wasn't it? Completely agree. Also, a sick bit of Jedi stuff. Sick, man. That's so sick. Uh, with Darth Vader. Favourite bit of the film. I also like that everyone died, okay? And just the information got away. Do you know what? I actually agree with that because that slightly forgives uh, some of the ways that episode four treats it because a lot of people have been saying, why don't, you know, now this is impossible because in episode four, when they do the briefing, they're not like, Jyn Erso's father gave us a way to defeat the Death Star. And that, But the answer could be, no one knows that Jin's father had really that much to do with these flaws because Jin and her little commando team did all of that on their own. It's literally just the information. They're just getting the info. And they're not even told there's a weakness necessarily because again, that's all done on with this commando team. They're just given the plan. So anyway, yeah. Particularly like the way the main characters were crushed by a tidal wave. Okay. In uh, In a deep impact style. Oh, okay. All right. I suppose that is sort of poetic in one way, isn't it? How? I don't know. The main reason I think I enjoyed it was I went with two people who really love Star Wars. One of them absolutely loves it. His enjoyment for the film and the chuckles he gave just meant I enjoyed it all the more, which kind of supports what we said, right? Yeah, we did say maybe if uh, there was somebody having a great time next to us, we would have enjoyed it more. We hoped we were getting that with the fans, but no, he even did a fist pump when the robot from the original popped up. I bet Disney execs are patting themselves on the back to hear that, though. That is what they wanted. It was obvious. And you know what, Phil? I didn't even notice C-3PO and R2-D2. Did you? I did notice them, but it was such a blink and you'll miss it moment that it didn't really bother me that much. There we go. It was a bit unnecessary, though. Well, even that was probably not a bad cameo, because if I didn't notice it, that's all right for an Easter egg. It's the Easter eggs that are shoved in your face I Mm. can't handle. Uh, Bits I didn't understand, though. Why did the guy keep saying force prayers? Characterization. Yeah, I think I agree there. No real answer for you. Uh, Why did spaceships just appear out of nowhere? Which bit is that? I don't know. I think that might be hyperspace. <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah, which I really guess if you've not Star come across, Wars. yeah. Okay, I suppose that's true. And to be fair, right at the end there, I mean, literally the entire rebel fleet turns up. I thought that was quite a weakness. You know, um, this is something I, I want to knock on the head here because a lot of people say the last half hour of this film forgives everything else in the first two hours or whatever it is. I do slightly disagree because I think the strengths of that final battle do not belong to the directing team scriptwriters to anybody else other than George Lucas and the originals because every moment that is good in that space battle is from Return of the Jedi it's based around the pre-existing design creativity all that sort of stuff yeah yeah everything that's good is has already been done in Star Wars and I sort of didn't really buy that that was needed for the last bit as well actually it made a lot more sense for it to be a small operation rather than to throw all their ships at the Imperial forces it definitely made the the rebels seem very small and actually, I think that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, next question. Why Thingy's mum didn't go with her daughter at the beginning? Oh, yeah, this was terrible. Uh, Jin Erso's mum. And Galen has obviously made a plan. And they're all sticking to the plan. And he's standing there literally being sort of held at gunpoint unofficially. And his wife does the slowest run ever towards him right at the beginning. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, you think, yeah. Why didn't she just run? Great question there, Johnny Valentine. You'd think a mother uh, trying to protect her daughter 
wouldn't just throw away her life for absolutely no reason at all. But she does. It really annoyed me, he said. She just gave up on her daughter. Yeah, totally agree, man. I think they, I, as I said, I thought that stuff was actually pretty weak and I, I thought they could have cut it. Uh, and then why everyone was so keen to join in. Is that uh, the final battle? I think I think it's all the characters throughout the whole thing. Why were they so keen to join in well, you on said the rebellion? This about Donnie Yen and the other guy. Who they just, are literally yeah. just join in and everyone's like great more than welcome they i have part no idea yeah. why they're why they're even included they don't they don't explain it any at all and they're just there well they were because he to happens do. to say nice necklace at the right time yeah i mean there's a again in a trailer that we would just watched i can't remember whether this line was in the film when jiang wen is shooting down some stormtroopers uh in that scene where they try to rescue gaiden urso he says you destroyed our home to them and that maybe is the motivation the film was trying to get across, that when they watch their whole home planet getting blown to pieces, they're like, well, well, sign us up for anything. I mean, they don't mention it at all. No. It's, they it's, don't even seem to have a bit of a example. gasp. You can put the pieces together yourself by watching the film and thinking about it afterwards. But in terms of what the film actually chooses to show you, just like with Jin Erso, I don't think they show you enough. Number one rule in script writing and in most storytelling is show, don't tell, isn't it? I know, and that's a classic. Yeah, it is an absolute classic. All right, that's it. He says, enjoyed it. Haven't been converted to love Star Wars yet, but still had a good time. Glad you enjoyed it. Thanks, Johnny Valentine. And can you believe it, listeners, but we have two more emails. But I'm going to group them together because it's nice to finish with this. And listeners, if you've been feeling, you know, like um, you've been in the in minority here and that uh, the Super Belly Bros know what they're talking about, be reassured that the next two emails are from our mum and dad who both disagree with us. So, Phil, do you want to quickly skim through these? Shall I do uh, our dad's one first? Yeah, go for it. Dear Super Belly Bros, I guess I have to thank you both for lowering my expectations with the spoiler-free review. Okay. Even being aware and agreeing with quite a lot of what you were saying... I really enjoyed it. Good. Well, that's great. The sense of scale was brilliant. Yeah, I agree there. And the location slash landscapes felt fresh, even though I got a bit lost knowing how the smaller scenes fitted into the bigger setting. Is that due to poor editing, poor direction, or...? Both, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think it is down to... uh, It was jumpy at the beginning, and it wasn't very good at sort of establishing where or why or who or what. You know, and it won't take you long to find this on the internet, but this film has had two directors... So, you know, it's a stitched together Frankenstein product. That's a fact. A little bit, yeah. I'm not sure if you could say it's altogether a Frankenstein thing. I'm just saying literally it's been stitched together, yeah. Martin continues, It occurred to me that there is a very large proportion of the audience that likes Star Wars without really being able to explain the plot or name the characters and that they do need and take pleasure in recognising the obvious eggs. Okay, I mean... Yeah, sorry, keep going, Phil. So I wonder whether you were rather unfair to the studio for helping out a lot of viewers... Moreover, some of the younger ones will not have seen A New Hope, so it was setting up the future recognition for them. Yes, clunky for us, but only because we are ahead of the game. That is a really, really good point, and I don't think I've heard anyone else say it quite like that. Uh, And that is, I mean, on one level I think, yep, that's a really good point. On another level, that makes me sad, because that means what's being done is exceptionally calculated. You would not have that uh, if the goal was to add a story to an existing set of stories and you basically say to people watch this on its own and you'll have a great time watch the others and you'll get even more out of it that is saying right we've got the Bryans who love Star Wars they go to every Star Wars film we've got the Adams 
Uh, the Adams sort of like Star Wars, but they haven't been totally convinced. And we got the Tonys. And let, let, let me just say, the Tonys, uh, these are the kids uh, who are going to see Star Wars for the first time with this film in the cinema. Now, what we've got to do uh, to maximise our returns on this, because, of course, we now have a stake in all the sales of Episode 4 A New Hope when we release that new box set around Christmas time, we've got to put in lots of cameos and Easter eggs so that, uh, you know, they, they get part of the whole Star Wars universe. They're part of the conversation, to use that word that Phil used earlier. Okay, and what about the Tinas? Their boyfriends are dragging them along as well. Well, we probably need to do this. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that's the marketing team. That is the marketing team. Weirdly, so, that sounded very authentic. Wasn't it good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, so I completely hear what you're saying, but when you have people being that cynical about the range of audiences they're seeing it and placing the audience well above the story and the filmmaking quality, I think that is an issue. Mm. Although I sort of agree with what you're saying. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to carry on. Could it be that Jin Erso's lack of motivation for the rebellion at first is because she holds a desperate hope that her father is not as awful as the situation suggests, so she tries to hold the whole thing at arm's length? Then, when others forcibly draw her into it, she has the excuse to join in. When she finally sees the hologram message from her father, she is vindicated and feels free to follow through on her instinctive hatred of the Empire. Whether or not that is right, I felt that there was enough for me to believe in her. My question for you, Martin, is what we said earlier. Uh, are you thinking that in retrospect or did you feel it during the film? That mm, interesting. is the key question. My wife, that's a, also known as our mother, Laurie. Yes. He says was genuinely moved by the hopeless hope speeches. Okay. But I agree completely about the apparent ill-discipline and chaotic authority structure among the rebels. She also said it was a good to see B-Wings actually doing something useful, unlike in later films. Well, I have to correct you there, Super Buddy Mums. There were no B-Wings there. Good try, I think, 10 points for you. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Y-Wings, although most of them got blown up. So, But they did take on a Star Destroyer and they were good stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing the Y-Wings and X-Wings back again. Uh, glad you picked up on the irritation of, or my irritation of what the rebel alliance seems to be like the key thing for me was how much they all love the fact that these teams disobeyed orders and went and got themselves all killed started a major confrontation with the empire they got lots of other people killed and they were just like yeah thumbs up where do you go really did not like the preachy tone arising from the contrived moral murkiness you agreed mm. with that as well yeah i'd you? say it was contrived it, it was boilerplate and glad you mentioned the random killing off of the bad actor which was never referenced again yeah, this is the informant at the beginning who says, A tale of two houses, both alike in dignity. <laughs> and then gets blown to bits. Oh no, he just gets murdered, doesn't he? He gets shot. Yeah, I thought I thought about this again recently and I wondered whether this was an attempt to do the Han Solo thing. You know, the endless internet discussions about did Han shoot Greedo first? You know, the smuggler who confronts him. I think he was genuinely trying to paint him as a bit of a, a, a genuine grey character, as in you already know this guy is not good news and yet he's sort of your hero. Yeah, I yeah I thought it was a very badly handled moment, and it, it was exactly the sort of thing that required a specific callback if they were going to use it as a part of character development. I don't know why they didn't use an alien for that guy instead of uh, instead of a rubbish English actor. Yeah, I know what you mean. It would have been interesting then, because yep. then it's like, is he a bit of a, an imperialist almost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots more to say, but overall kept me fully engaged all the way through, and there must be something good if it makes me want to watch New Hope again. Fair enough. I think I disagree with that point. I think Star Wars is Star Wars and it's always exciting seeing Star Wars. I don't think I don't think you can give this movie credit for all that. For making you want to watch the originals? No, 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 no. You see anything you want to see again. Thanks for your entertaining opinionated chat. And remember, not everyone will notice the Here's problems a little bit of dad advice. as you do. And it would be a shame to put people off. Of course, I know you don't want to do that, as you pointed out at the end of the very spoilery episode. But perhaps it's worth making that clear near the beginning of your reviews. <laughs> Love the show and how each of you bring a unique angle. Thanks uh, so much, Dad. Thank you. You know, listeners, there's a joke among uh, Super Bailey siblings that uh, begins like this. Well, my father says 
And this is because our dad loves to give us, uh, literally put words in our mouths and say, well, here's how you should handle this situation. My <laughs> father says, so thanks for that. And uh, you know what? Our father says we need to be a bit more even-handed <laughs> in our approach to the podcast. So thanks. if thanks that happens in future episodes, you know who to thank. Thanks, Super Bailey Dad. Much appreciated. Okay, and I'll finish off. Listeners, this is the very last one. Uh, Super Bailey Mum, you have Pride of Place. Or the worst place. I'm not sure which one no, it is. No, it's the best one. Okay, trust me. yeah. Actually, I was moved, not by the hopeless hope speeches, that's an angry <laughs> cut back to our dad, <laughs> uh, but by the acceptance of their fate sitting on the sand at the end of the film, that deep impact moment, watching the nuclear cloud come towards them. I thought it was referencing the Neville Shoot book and later film On the Beach. Are you familiar with this film? Nope. <laughs> nope, neither am I. A really bleak story in the 70s, set in Australia, imagining the despair after the nuclear holocaust awaiting their inevitable demise. Goodness. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm afraid, see for Benny Mum, I can't recall that, having not read it. I thought it was an okay moment. I just thought it was a bit too quick. I thought they should have snogged. I, I thought it lacked <laughs> a bit of passion and heart, basically. I didn't know those characters very well, so I was like, oh, okay, bye then, fine. The best, the best death for me was uh, Bodhi the pilot, because it comes out of nowhere. He's just achieved something. You think, oh, he's going to make it. Then boom, he's here exactly comes the grenade. Sort of plucky guy that you think you hope will survive. And the thing is, that's when it gets you. Death is awful when it's... It, it, it's, it doesn't feel like it should happen yeah I when agree. it feels like it's uh, st- life is stolen from you that's when death really really hurts and that's when his death really hurt very moving Phil you well I know but that's that's the sort of thing if it's, if it's sort of this inevitable thing which you see coming you've already sort of let go of them it's true uh, on a lighter note she continues I enjoyed the locations and felt the similarity of the bunker access reflected the institutional modular approach of the empire think NHS hospitals all the same style of decor etc rather than lazy copying that's very well put point super belly mum my argument to you would be that actually it's not a bunker it's um, the sort of opening to a train track or something in Rogue One, isn't mm. it? It's just a gate. And it wasn't so much the design of it that bothered me, because I agree with you, the Empire would do everything in big bulk buys, wouldn't it? It was what they used it for. So They, they used reb- it for cover, didn't they? Yeah, and the, the, and the way that that scene was shot, the positions that the Rebels occupy, is identical to Return of the Jedi. So I think they went one step beyond that line of thinking, but well said nonetheless. You, what you really want is the same look, different interaction. Exactly. Uh, I like Felicity Jones and the male lead, that is Diego Luna, believed that he was ashamed of things he'd done for the rebellion. Well, they said, I'm ashamed of my things that I've done. That's why he <laughs> believed it. Uh, <laughs> that was the point of him killing the guy at the beginning to show his necessary ruthlessness to get away and back to the council with news of the message. I hear what you're saying. I just thought they didn't give him enough time to flesh it out. They didn't call it back. They didn't complete his character arc. So instead, it was just a bit like, accept me, I'm a conflicted hero because I've told you so. Mm. Well, there you go, listeners. We basically- Sorry, she ends up. I thoroughly enjoyed it and think you are way harsh in some of your criticisms. And, well, we've received that message loud and clear. But there you go, listeners. We're even getting into fights with our own parents. So I thought they not- added something really interesting there. So I hope you don't mind us indulging our parents there, listeners. No, they did add interesting thoughts. And I think it's a, a testament to the fact that we really want to give our honest opinions. We're not going to say we like this film just because it's Star Wars. We're going to say whether or not it's a good film or not. And we've actually really enjoyed talking through this is what lots we always of the discussions. For. Yeah, Get that yeah. discussion going. And, and I hope you are glad to hear your thoughts represented. I hope you're interested to hear what other listeners to the Super Betty Bros show think. And I hope that we haven't sort of dug ourselves further into the hole by continually defending ourselves at every opportunity. I think what you have to say is if you enjoyed this film, it's a completely valid opinion. And I think both of us would agree. Oh, totally. That we're really thrilled that you enjoyed it. Yeah, but definitely. But we can't, we can't say we like something. Our opinion is not more valid than anyone else's 
guaranteed, um, which is why we do our best to explain why we think the things that we think. So it's easy for you to disagree with us or agree with us. We're certainly not right. We're just guys. Just got just bros, Phil. Indeed, indeed. Listeners, thanks so much. Merry Christmas. Have a lovely New Year. Oh, I mean, in fact, this is going. Oh no, this is a separate episode, isn't it? Is it going to be one? I think well, it has. I think to it's be. basically become one because yeah. it's been like an hour. Well, let me say, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening. We're really excited to argue with you about the next big blockbuster of 2017. Look forward to it. Hope you've enjoyed it, guys. Hope you've. Um, Sorry, so let me rewind. Thanks so much for all the people who have emailed in. That's great. We love yeah, it. Yeah, thank you so much. We we put a call out there on Twitter and people absolutely responded. So we had thank quite you. a few new emailers, which is great. Yeah, which is fantastic. Great. Keep them coming. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. May the 4th be with you.